helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. I know we seem to be living in a mad world. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Christmas decorations going up in September. The annual budget crisis is in full swing, and even though the presidential election is more than a year away, the smear campaigns are everywhere. Now, when it comes to the presidential election, though, I'm not really surprised. See, it's been my observation that the vast majority of Americans have no idea how we actually elect the president. Years ago, before I started studying the Constitution, I tried explaining the process to a group of international co-workers, and I can't say I did a very good job of it. There are so many things around the election process that we the people do not understand, but when it comes to the office of president, things only get worse. Of course, it doesn't help that the majority of the states are lying to their citizens on the ballot. That's right. Recent research I've conducted shows that two-thirds of the states committed fraud in the 2020 presidential election ballot, and I expect more of the same for 2024. That is, unless we the people learn how the president is actually elected. Hello there, everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study, where we read and study the Constitution. Teach your rising generation be free. I'm so glad you could join me today. You know, The presidential election season is in full swing, therefore there's a lot of craziness, a lot of nonsense, a lot of lies and, and, well, we'll call it misinformation floating everywhere. Um, So, you know, I I encountered something that I had not expected, a little bit of research that really kind of surprised me, and I wanted to talk to you about it today. Um, I was discussing, uh, I was having a discussion with someone online about how we elect the president and vice president. Now, I was doing a little bit of research to reinforce my point when I discovered something interesting. See, I found a state that had a fraudulent ballot in 2020. Thinking this was a, an individual mistake, I started looking at sample ballots from, all the, from each state back in the 2020 election. You know what I found? Not just one state or even a handful of states. I found two-thirds of the state ballots had fraudulent information on them, at least when it comes to electing the president and vice president of the American of the United States, which got me thinking. Uh, this cannot be simply a mistake. This this literally has to be fraud. As I said, a lot of people are confused about how we elect the president and the vice president, but it's been my experience that the confusion comes not from the language of the Constitution but from the cognitive dissonance we have trying to merge what we've been told with what we see happen. One of the greatest sources of that cognitive dissonance is the mistaken belief that the people vote for and thereby elect the President of the United States. This lie is being perpetuated by many people and groups, and in 2020, over two-thirds of our states. Now, to understand the fraud, we have to start with how the president and vice president are actually elected. Uh, By the way, I believe this is what got me kicked off of Facebook three plus years ago. So, um, be forewarned. The process all begins in Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the Constitution. Uh, 
which reads, Each state shall appoint, in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct, a number of electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled in the Congress. Notice, each state appoints electors for president and vice president in a manner determined by the legislature of the state. Now, the election process continues in the 12th Amendment. The electors shall meet in their respective states and vote by ballot for president and vice president, one of whom at least shall not be an inhabitant of the same state with themselves. They shall name in their ballots the persons voted for as president and in distinct ballots the persons voted for as vice president, and they shall make distinct lists of all persons voted for as president and all of voted for as vice president, and the number of votes for each, which list they shall sign and certify and transmit sealed to the seat of government of the United States directed to the president of the Senate. So the electors that are appointed then meet in their state, and they vote for president and vice president. Not we the people. These votes are then, they're tabulated and signed and certified and sent to the president of the Senate, which is the sitting vice president. The process seems simple enough, but did you notice something that was missing, at least according to today's rhetoric? There is no vote by the people in the process. That's because your right to participate in the election of the president and vice president comes not from the Constitution, but from the decision of your state's legislature to advise them on the appointment of electors. Now, this is not meant to be a dissertation on the various ways state legislatures have decided to appoint their electors, although that might be an interesting topic for future discussion. I'm going to focus today on one state, Tennessee. Why? Well, for a couple of reasons. First, uh, my family and I now live here. And second, it's one of the one-third of the states that does not commit fraud on their presidential ballots. Now, according to the Tennessee Code annotated, uh, we read, At the regular November election, immediately preceding the time fixed by the law of the United States for the choice of president and vice president, as many electors of president and vice president as the state may be entitled to shall be elected. Each registered voter in the state may vote for the whole number of electors, the persons up to the number required to be chosen, having the highest number of votes, shall be declared to be duly chosen electors. Now, in the Tennessee Code annotated, our legislature has determined that at the November election preceding the time of the choosing of president and vice president, the electors for those offices shall be elected by the people. Each registered voter in the state may choose the whole number of electors, otherwise referred to as a slate of electors. This can be seen by a sample ballot from the Tennessee's 2020 uh, uh, ballot, which specifically says you are voting for electors for Donald Trump or electors for Joe Biden. But notice, the people do not vote for president or vice president, but for electors for the offices. Who are these electors? They're political party apparatchiks. They're functionaries that have pledged to vote for their party's nominee. Also, this election happens in November before the time fixed by United States law for the choice of president. When is that? Well, according to Title III of the United States Code, Section 7, the electors of president and vice president of each state shall meet and give their votes on the first Tuesday after the second Wednesday in December, next following their appointment at such place in each state in accordance with the laws of the state enacted prior to the election day. See, the problem most people run into is they believe that every four years, 
they vote for president. That's not true. In every state in the union, the people vote for electors they want their legislature to appoint. This misunderstanding not only leads to a lot of confusion, but many of the controversies of the presidential elections. For example, the national popular vote movement, movement is based on the misconception that there is a popular vote for president. There isn't one. Again, it should not be a surprise since every four years, the media spends a tremendous amount of time on, on polls and reporting on this mythical popular vote. How many people still believe that Hillary Clinton should have been president because she won the national popular vote, even though she lost the Electoral College? In fact, even the term Electoral College is a misnomer, since there is no one place where all the electors gather to cast their votes. Another problem can, that can trace its roots to this cognitive, dif, cognitive dissonance is the false belief that Congress has any say in the election of president or vice president, except in the situation where no one receives a majority of votes. Congress has decided for itself to be the overseers of the presidential election. This can be seen by giving themselves the authority to object to a state's certificate of votes of their electors. Title III, Section 15 of the United States Code reads, Upon the reading of each certificate or paper, the President of the Senate shall call for objections, if any. However, a quick look at the Twelfth Amendment shows no such power delegated to the Congress, or any member of the United States for that matter. The Twelfth Amendment reads, The President of the Senate shall, in the presence of the Senate and House of Representatives, open all the certificates, and the vote shall then be counted. Now, this has led to the oft-repeated lie that Congress certifies the vote of, uh, for president or of the Electoral College. Again, not true. Let's get back to the ballot fraud for a second. See, while researching my position for the discussion I mentioned earlier, I went in search of sample ballots from the 2020 election. I found a great collection of them on the website Ballotpedia. Now, I was surprised when I saw the first ballot listed, the one for the state of Alabama, that it had a mistake. See, if you look it up, you'll see your, it says your, the, the people of Alabama were voting for president and vice president of the United States. But that's notice how that's different from Tennessee, which says you're voting for electors. Here's the important point. See, Alabama claims that the people were voting for president and vice president, but that's not true. The state of Alabama is lying to their citizens, claiming that they're voting for an office that they are not actually voting for. That makes their actions fraud, which is defined by the Free Legal Dictionary as a false representation of a matter of fact, whether by words or by conduct, by false or misleading allegations, or by concealment of what should have been disclosed that deceives and is intended to deceive another so that the individual will act upon, upon it to his or her legal injury. Now, some may be asking, what's the legal injury to a citizen of Alabama, or any state for that matter? If they, if based on this deception, see, they may give up their right to state, repre state representation in the election of president under the false pretense that they are voting for the office directly. They may come to believe that the office of president represents the people rather than the states due to the false belief that they voted for the person in office rather than their states doing so. I'm sure if I spend some more time on this, I could find plenty of additional legal injuries that comes from this fraud saw what I thought was a mistake by Alabama, I decided to do more research. I was shocked by what I found. 
Of the 50 states in the union, I could only confirm 13, that's 26%, had non-fraudulent ballots. I found one of those states, Louisiana, well, they were technically correct, but the way they did it was somewhat misleading. I found 34 states, 68%, that had fraudulent ballots. Of course, I could not find ballots for three states, Connecticut, Delaware, and Oklahoma. But still, that means that two-thirds of our states committed fraud in the 2020 presidential elections, and probably other elections as well. I don't know about you, but I find that number shocking. Although the fraud conducted by the states did not change the outcome of the election, it shows how the general ignorance of both the people and the members of the legislature have when it comes to the Constitution of the United States. I wish there were states would adopt laws that include the name of the electors and, and the residents for each of the candidates. The former may expose some internal party, sh- party shenanigans, while the latter is helpful in making sure you're voting for electors that have pledged to vote for eligible candidates. How can you make an informed vote if your state is lying to you? Do you expect to be able to make constitutionally sound decisions regarding the presidential election process when most of you don't even know how it works? I'm sure some people out there will say, I'm being pedantic, I'm being nitpicky about this. Consider this. Over the next 13 months, the American people will be bombarded by news, advertising, and polling regarding the election, all in an attempt to get them to vote for a specific presidential candidate. After Election Day, there are bound to be more discussions about who won the popular vote versus the Electoral College. After that, we'll have four years of politics and punditry trying to convince us that the president either is or is not serving the American people properly. All of this based upon the fraudulent idea that the people voted for president. Therefore, his job is to take care of us. In an attempt to fulfill that false lie, the president, no matter who they are or which party they are from, will enact unconstitutional policies in an attempt to get the American people to either vote for them or whoever their champion of their party is in 2028. This, is not, this fraud is not pedantic, nitpicky, or of no importance. It is part of the reason the United States, the several states, and the governments of both are criminal enterprises that that they've become. As Albert Einstein is quoted as saying, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. Now, I'm curious how many of you noticed the the fraud that may have been perpetrated on, on your ballot, whether it was fraudulent or not whether it specifically stated you were voting for electors rather than the actual candidates for president. It's an important piece of information. As I was working on this, uh, I started thinking, would you be interested in more pieces, more articles like this, more data about this, uh, dealing with how we actually uh, conduct the elections for president? Not simply what the Constitution says, but what the states have done and the impact that they have allowed and they've allowed the political parties to have on elections at all levels. If so, please let me know. Contact me through the website, constitutionstudy.com. You can ask a question or 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 uh, and just put in, you know, yes, I would like some more uh, uh, episodes dealing with this. I'll be more than happy to. I think as we wade our way to the morass of nonsense over the next 13 months approaching the election, I think it'd be pretty important, but I'm curious, what do you think? Please let me know.
Now, I have to take a break. Before I go, though, you know, if you, have your, if you don't have your health, you don't really have anything. It's amazing what we'll do to protect our health. And one of the ways we can best protect our health is to support our immune system. Now, of course, I travel a fair amount, and not as much as I was before, but I still do. And when I'm on the go is the hardest time to remain healthy. I can't tell you how many times I've come back from a, a conference or a business trip and just with, with what I call the crud, you know, that, that awful gunky feeling you have from uh, eating bad food and being around you know, diseased people. Well, I found a great way to help support my immune system, especially while I'm on the go, with Healthy Cells Immune Super Boost. These are immune-boosting supplements in a easy-to-use travel-ready gel pack. In fact, there's over a dozen immune supplements in each gel pack. I take them, I throw them in my bag, and I simply take one every day while I'm on the road. Now, as an America Out Loud listener, you can get 25% off your first order from Healthy Cell. You can find out more at americaoutloud.shop. Basically, if you use the code OUTLOUD at checkout, you get the discount. So go to HealthyCell.com, put your cart together, try the Immune Super Booster, any of their great products. Just make sure you use that code OUTLOUD when you check out. It lets them know that you listen to America Out Loud, and as a thank you, you get 25% off your first order. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. You wouldn't go a day without brushing your teeth or washing your hands. What about washing your nose? I mean, your nose does filter the air you breathe, air loaded with bacteria, viruses, and irritants. Make nasal hygiene part of your routine with Clear. No messy bottles to fill, no drowning sensation. Clear is a natural drug-free saline with the added benefit of xylitol, which blocks bacterial and viral adhesion. Available in stores and online at clear.com. That is X-L-E-A-R.com. The pandemic may be over for some. But millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution. The miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today 
and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution study, and we're talking about the lies around the presidential election. Um, I, again, I found this interesting research when I, when I stumbled across it. My, I, I had to go tell my wife. Um, I wrote the article that, that was the foundation of this, and, and, and really, I was surprised. Uh, but to me, it exposes the general ignorance of the, uh, of the process of electing the president and how that can be used to manipulate the, the American people and how they make their choices. Now, the first one, you know, the first thing we were talking about, the, the fact that the people don't vote for president. They, they elect presidential electors who then vote for president. Now, in most states, those presidential, well, in all the states that I know of, those electors are party apparatchiks. Uh, these are people who um, they're big in the party and uh, you know they're, they're loyal to the party. In many states, there's actually the state law says not only must they pledge beforehand who they will vote for, they if they do not vote for that person in the actual election, they can be removed and replaced with a substitute. So there's a lot going on there that I'd love to dive into more fully as we get a little farther along. Now, the other big thing that's been going on, of course, is dealing with Trump and uh, uh, the issues that have been brought up regarding him. For example, several states have filed uh, lawsuits claiming that, uh, or uh, I should say are attempting, usually there's lawsuits, attempting to remove, prevent Donald Trump from being on the 2024 ballot, claiming there is a 14th Amendment prohibition because they claim that he has committed, that he has participated in an insurrection. And again, this is where words matter. And uh, you know, again, if you've been around the Constitution study any length of time, you know, I'm very picky about if you're going to use words, especially words from the Constitution, we really should know what they mean and, and, and how they're used. So in Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, we read, no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States, shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same, or given aid and comfort to the enemies thereof. But Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each House, remove such disability. All right, let's break this down just a little bit. One thing that this is predicate on is Article 6, Clause 3. Right? Basically, every officer, judicial, executive, legislative, at the state or federal level, is required in their oath of office they're, they're required by oath or affirmation to claim they will support the Constitution of the United States. Remember, the 14th Amendment was passed in, uh, in response to the, the, the Confederate states and um, how they were treating former slaves. And uh, there's still a lot of animus against the Confederate states. So I said, listen, if you took an oath that included support for the Constitution of the United States, meaning you were a state or, or federal officer, and you engaged in insurrection, 
Right? That's a very important point. D engaging in insurrection. What is what does it mean to engage in insurrection? Well, according to Webster's 1828 dictionary, an insurrection is arising against civil or political authority, the open and active opposition of a number of persons to the execution of a law in a city or state. So here's the question. Did Mr. Trump participate in a rising against civil or political authority? Now, I'm not saying that there were people who, that there were not people who uh, broke the law on January 6th. There were some, they, they committed vandalism, um, and, 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 and there's allegations of other physical threats. But again, was this a rising against civil or political authority? I said right from the beginning, they were using the word insurrection for a reason. This was going to come up. Now, understand, the January 6th demonstration, all the events around there, were not about overthrowing the civil, civil, civil or political authority. It was an attempt to stop what they saw as an overthrow of the constitutional authority that states, that some states had, uh, I, I contend, I have evidence that uh, several states uh, illegally appointed electors because they did so in a manner other than that determined by the, by the legislature of their state. There were others that looked at, at uh, evidence of fraud and other malfeasance in the election process that questioned the validity of the uh, certificates that had been sent to the president of the Senate. Uh, but this was not an attempt to overturn the authority unless you believe the authority is the people in office, not the Constitution of the United States. See, to me, that's the big thing is, is the in order for you to assume that the uh, what happened on January 6th, what, it, I'll get to Donald Trump in just a second, in order for you to assume it is an insurrection, you must, you, you therefore must believe that the, the power is not simply the people in office, but in this case, those who are part of the Democratic Party. Because no allegations of insurrection were ever raised against people who questioned the elections of Republican candidates. Nobody claimed that Hillary Clinton committed insurrection when she when she uh, claimed that the president Trump was illegitimate, that he didn't actually win the 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 election, or uh, was it Stacey Abrams in, in Georgia who to this day claims she was the she was the governor of Georgia that she had won the election? She was never claimed to have have committed insurrection or participated in insurrection. Now the question is okay, but they their people didn't rise to do this, you know. Well, okay, so there was a group of people that demonstrated. We have this thing called the First Amendment. Uh, Congress cannot make a law that prevents you from uh, peaceably assembling, which means those people who peaceably assembled could not be committing an insurrection. They were exercising their rights as protected by the Constitution, of the United States. I'm not talking about those who broke in. Um, I'm including, by the way, those who were let into the Capitol. I'm not talking about those who broke into the Capitol or committed vandalism or other otherwise defaced the process, the property. But you keep coming back, but I got to get back to what Donald Trump did. He said, peacefully and patriotically demonstrate. If telling people to peacefully and patriotically demonstrate is an insurrection, the words mean nothing. Then, then the you know, laws mean nothing because words mean nothing. 
See, it's this this lack of understanding of what is an insurrection. An insurrection isn't trying to isn't questioning your preferred candidate's win. An insurrection would be trying to overthrow, oh, I don't know, the Constitution of the United States. You mean like by people who tried to um, change the election outcome? You know, the people who stuff, where there's video of them stuffing ballot boxes, of ballots magically showing up in the counting centers. Or what about those lying to the American people about who they're voting for on the ballot? Yeah, this is not a question. But again, you're going to hear, and you're going to continue to hear this. Now, what's interesting is most of these states have decided that lawsuits have been filed and they're going to kind of wait and see what the courts say. And I kind of have mixed feelings about this. And the reason I do is because the question, I guess let me rephrase this. The people who are filing the lawsuits, waiting for the states, waiting for the outcome from the, the courts, makes sense. The states themselves saying, um, we're going to wait and see I find a little disconcerting, not be, well, partially because these are states turning over their election, their duty as the electors of the president or the choosers of the electors of the president to the courts. Didn't we just read that it's the, the in order for a presidential election to be valid, they must be chosen, appointed, and amended term by the legislature of the state. Now, again, I know that this, this whole thing is simply um, its own form of not truly insurrection. It is a coup. It is an attempt to prevent an opposing party from having their preferred candidate on the ballot. That, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, is nothing new. The 14th Amendment is a unique way to do it, but it's nothing new. And if you want me to get into more detail, again, go to the website, Constitution Today. Let me know you'd want to be interested because... I probably will do a, a, a piece about the primaries and what primaries actually are and how it is the attempt by the, uh, um, by the political parties to restrict your choices in, uh, in all elections. And of course, Donald Trump isn't the only one. Right? There are uh, an investigation into impeaching Joe Biden. Uh, President Joe Biden. And while I agree there's plenty of uh, evidence to warrant not only an investigation, but probably the actual impeachment, um, I'm not foolish enough to think that there aren't people that are doing this, especially doing this now, well, for political reasons, right? The Republicans have a slim majority in the House. The House are the ones that actually impeach officers in the federal government. so they could actually get this forward and it would have a negative impact on a political opponent for the office of president. So, uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm not saying there's not a political component to it. Then again, there's also not, there also is a political component to those component, I should say, to those who are uh, opposing this uh, impeachment inquiry. Listen to this clip from an interview that Representative Clyburn had on Meet the Press. I have three daughters, and I want them to feel very comfortable uh, being a Clyburn. And I do know uh, that that is very, very important uh, for going forward. 
Now, that doesn't mean that I want them to do things that are unseemly uh, to the name. I do want them uh, to use the name to their benefit. All right, let me jump in here for a second, because I think this is important. You know me, details matter. Um, you know, I benefited from my father's name. My father introduced me to people that uh, eventually would have an impact on my life. Um, and, and I agree with Mr. Clyburn. We want our children to do well, and we want our children to be able to benefit from our experiences. The question isn't whether or not Hunter Biden benefited from his name being Biden. The question is, did he illegally do that? And did his father, Joe, benefit from it as well? and do so in an illegal manner. And yet President Biden, according to one witness testimony, was on the phone 20 times with Hunter Biden's business associates. It was described as pleasantries, but is that appropriate? Well, his associates said they were pleasantries, but I think it's appropriate to be a father to your son. And if your son uh, is having a problem, and we all know the history of the problem uh, that Hunter has with addiction, and he is being a father to his son. You don't impeach a man for being a father to his children. Now, Mr. Biden is not being investigated for being a father to Hunter. Uh, I actually think that uh, Mr. Joe Biden, from what I've seen, has not been a very good father to his son, but that's not the point. The question isn't, was he a father to his son? The question isn't, um, did he join phone calls and exchange pleasantries with people that uh, his son did business with? The question is, did he use his office to benefit his son? Did he use his office to benefit himself and other members of his family, which would be a criminal activity? And if you're the father to a son, you don't engage in criminal activity for their financial benefit. You don't engage in criminal activity for your financial benefit. That is a situation that you should be impeached for. Now, understand, Representative Clyburn is a, a member of the Democratic Party. He's, he's, he's providing cover for his, the presidential candidate of his party. Um, but again, we get down to details, understanding uh, if... President Biden is impeached. Reality. He it's never going to get if the trial happens in the Senate, it's the odds of him being convicted are minuscule. But I'm going to come back to, you know, John Quincy Adams. The duty is ours, the results are God's. We we do what you do because it is right. You do what you do because it is the right thing to do, not because you know you're going to win. And in the case of Representative Clyburn, um you've laid down a marker You've laid down a mark of the year. You are fine with your daughters benefiting from your name. The question is, does that marker include using your office to give that to benefit your children at the expense of others? In other words, I can't use your name to get lucrative contracts from the federal government. Did you use your office to use to allow your daughters to get lucrative contracts? I don't know. I'm not making an accusation. But again, the point is, Mr. Biden is not being investigated for being a father to his son. He's being investigated to see if he committed crimes or misdemeanors in his attempt to be a father to his son. The distinction is small, but I believe very, very important.
Now, I've got to take another break. Uh, before I go, though, you know, I swing by AmericaOutloud.news every day. They're on my list of news feeds that I go through every evening, and I think it's a great thing for you to do as well. See, it's a great place to go, not just for news and information, but for tools and resources. See, I don't want you to simply go and read the news. That's good, but better would be to take the information, the stories, the articles, and, and use them. Find the podcast, the videos that, that show you something important or, or something that really touches your heart, and then share it. See, knowledge is not power unless it's put in action. So take the knowledge you can gain from AmericaOutloud.news and share it. By doing so, you're helping all of us secure the blessings of liberty. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution Study. Today, we're talking about presidential election lies. Uh, I, I showed how apparently two-thirds of our states are lying to their citizens about who they vote for every four years. Um, we looked at some of the uh, the other lies and, and, and misinformation stuff going around. That come, A lot of it comes from a lack of understanding of what the Constitution actually says and, and uh, the details of what's going on. I want to take this last segment... And look at some of the consequences we have from this lack of understanding of how the government works. Well, for example, it was recently reported that the Department of Defense signed a $2.5 million contract with uh, a company that deals with social media monitoring. I believe it's uh, Datamir Inc. I don't know if I got that right. Now, why is that important? 
Well, obviously you could look at, well, you see, the president's the commander-in-chief, so this is being done under the auspices of the commander-in-chief, but remember, Congress appropriates money. So this $2.5 million that was given to the Department of Defense came through a congressional appropriation. Um, did the appropriations actually authorize this money be used for that purpose? Or, as Congress has been frequently doing lately, they simply say, well, here's money for this department, and you go spend it however you want. Remember, members of the House work for you. You hired them to represent you. You hired the members of the Senate well, to represent the states. So this $2.5 million that we look at the Department of Defense and what they're spending it for, remember, that money was appropriated by our employees in Congress. Are they doing a good job over it as well? That's part of the understanding of the way the Constitution works. We also have to remember that uh, constitutional or not, uh, we've effectively vested the president with a boatload of power. Uh, he has a lot of power simply by being the, the chief executive of the United States, but uh, he oversees a, a, a giant branch of our government, and that has impact on, well, all sorts of things. Oh, for example, there is a, a fourth IRS agent that now has come forth and said both uh, uh, the Department of Justice and the prosecutors in California blocked the, uh, the, the uh, I guess then he was the U.S. attorney, from actually charging Hunter Biden in those jurisdictions. This comes, you know, and again, is this that the, the president is up there saying, uh, don't charge my son? Is he talking with uh, Attorney General Garland say, gee, it'd be really terrible if my son, if this happened to my son? Uh, these are some of the consequences, both of the, not just the person we put into that office, but of the lack of understanding of the power that person actually has. Also think, you know, we've got the, the next uh, uh, round of, of COVID scare, right? The next pandemic. Well, of course, the WHO has been pushing for these, these vaccine passports. Now, again, vaccine passports are utterly unconstitutional within the borders of the United States. Um, what other countries can do, that's a whole other question. Um, the, the, the international relations, whether or not people are allowed into or out of the country is a another question. But within the United States, things like vaccine passports are blatantly unconstitutional. But is the is the the occupant of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue going to simply follow along with what the international pressure is, or are they going to uphold their oath to the Constitution of the United States? Uh, by the way, Democrat or Republican. Recent history shows they will bow to pre to pressure, that they 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 are either so ignorant or so dis disregarding of their oath to the Constitution that um, we have you know I would be surprised if the WHO starts pushing this, whoever sits in that office wouldn't begin to to fold. But again, the president doesn't make law. Yes, he can issue an executive order, but the only thing that can do is tell his bureaucracy to do something. And if that, if that executive order is unconstitutional, the states don't have to follow along. And the states should be backing up their citizens when they decline to follow an unconstitutional and therefore void regulation created from an unconstitutional, therefore void executive order. Well, here's another example. 
there's been a lot of talk lately about Bidenomics. Biden, you know, some people saying Bidenomics is working. Others saying that Bidenomics has basically killed the American dream. Um, there's just one itsy bitsy little problem. The president doesn't have the legal authority to establish economic policy. I know it really is, is surprising, but it's actually Congress that uh, creates the budget. It's Congress that uh, legend passes laws to collect taxes. It's Congress that passes appropriations to spend money. There's not a dollar the president can spend that wasn't appropriated by Congress. Now, yes, Congress tends to get lazy and do kind of these generalistic ideas. You can spend X amount of dollars on this type of stuff, and then the president gets down to the details. But that's a problem with Congress and the entire system, because a lot of what we're talking about is actually not powers delegated to the United States. Remember, Congress can only collect taxes to do three things, to pay the debts of the United States, to provide for the common defense of the United States, and the general welfare of the United States, capital U, capital S, in all three instances. That is a proper noun referring to the Union of States, the very same United States, by the way, used in the Tenth Amendment that says if, we, if the Constitution doesn't specifically say the United States can do this, they can't do this. So we, we talk about Bidenomics. What we're really talking about is um, we're talking about Congress's legislation. We're talking about their spending, their overspending. But you see, it's so much easier to just point it at Joe Biden and say, it, it, it's all his fault. No, actually, the fault rests mostly with Congress. Yes, Mr. Biden, Mr. Biden has um, a, 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 a say in things. But he only has a say because Congress says he has a say. So when we talk about the the uh, uh, interest rates or the cost of, of homes or cars, a lot of it, what they're doing is Congress simply saying, yeah, you go make regulations and, and uh, we're not going to deal with the details. You go do it. But yeah, that's giving him power he doesn't legally have because there's not a regulation out of the executive branch that is law. I'm going to say it again. There's not a single regulation coming out of the federal, out of the executive branch that is law. All legislative, all lawmaking power is vested in Congress and only Congress. And again, since we don't know what the Constitution says, we've allowed the executive branch to act more like a king than an executive. But again, that comes from our ignorance. Now, the, when we look at, you know, when someone's handed this much power, I think their character has a lot to do with it. You know, does does someone take power and say, "Well, Congress said I can do it, so let me do it"? Versus, well, the Constitution says I can't do it, so even though Congress says so, I'm going to play by the rules. For example, all of these emer you know, everything now is an emergency. Here's what's really interesting: Do you realize the term emergency doesn't exist in the Constitution? There are no national emergency powers in the Constitution. There's no emergency uh, uh, you know, trump card. There's no emergency powers that supersede the Constitution. We all believe, or many of us believe there is, simply because, well, there was a national emergency, therefore I must do this. doesn't work that way. It only, actually, it only works that way because, well, the American people keep hiring crooks and thieves and liars, and we never hold them accountable when they violate their oath to support the Constitution. Or look at the uh, the quote unquote immigration problem. 
I, I say I put it in scare quotes because again, immigration is not a power delegated to the United States. I, I know people are, are thinking I'm crazy. Look at the Constitution. Congress has the power to set rules for naturalization, says nothing about immigration. But part of the problem is the, the Congress has passed laws and the president has flatly refused to enforce those laws. Um, now, in some cases, presidents have refused to enforce the laws because they needed money and Congress wouldn't fund it, uh, partially because um, they want to enforce them one way and Congress said no. But for the most part right now, we just have, we have a set of laws that nobody is bothering to enforce. And this came to mind because I saw an article, uh, this was on News with Views by a Frosty Woodridge. And he was talking about in 10 to 20 years, we won't recognize America. I, 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 he was talking about immigration and, and other issues that, um, that are happening in the United States that greatly parallel what happened in, uh, in the Roman Empire. It's just happening a lot faster here because um, we, I don't need 10 to 20 years to not recognize America. I don't recognize it now. This America doesn't, I don't, this America doesn't match America 20 years ago. America 20 years ago, we did not have the widespread spying on the American people. Our, our debt was a problem, but not the explosive problem it is today. Uh, we had politics and policies, but the very idea that everyday ordinary citizens believe in censorship that uh, Americans have too much freedom. We live in a different world. Now, part of the reason we live in a different world, I believe, is the people we have chosen to represent us. Remember, we live in a republic. That means you and I and every other American citizen choose people to represent us in the House of Representatives. We choose people to represent our states in the Senate. I know you're not taught that in school. That's the way it's act that's what actually happens. And you and I choose people that will select our president. And that has become an absolutely corrupt system. The only question is, when am I going to start talking about it more? Because if I don't recognize this country from as little as 10 years ago, much less the 40, 50 years ago when I was a much younger man and I was a, when I was a boy, the rate of change has happened so fast in 10 to 20 years, I'm not even sure there will be an America. Oh, oh, sure. There will be a land known as America. There may even be a country that is still called the United States of America. But it will be drastically different. The same way, you know what? There was a, a Russia. And, and yeah, there was a, it was the center of the Soviet Union, but it, it was drastically different from the Russia before. And the Russia after the Soviet Union was, was drastically different until they started going back. It's, it's funny, because if you look at it, Russia's going back to the original czarist structure. Changes happen. The question, you know, it's, it's interesting. People always talk about progress, but they never seem to talk about progress towards what? Progress is a move. It is a change. But that change could be good for good or for ill. Again, if you are in a vehicle progressing down a highway where the bridge is out, 
that progress is going to turn into something very, very, very bad. On the other hand, if you're on a highway progressing to uh, meet a family member or maybe go to a hospital to get some treatment, that progress may be very, very good. We've become obsessed with form over substance. Interesting, I know people who look all the way back to, I think it was the, the 68 election, presidential election, the first one with a televised debate. A debate where uh, Richard Nixon looked old and cranky and 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 not quite with it, and John F. Kennedy was young and vibrant and in control of everything. And did his looks impact the election? I'm not even going to get into the rest of the questions about the the, the about the Kennedy's uh, election, but you have to wonder. Did, did, did the American people stop paying attention to the substance of what people were doing in exchange for the looks? Or is it simply about parties? It's simply about a, a become a team sport. I'm a donkey or I'm an elephant, and that's what matters more than anything else. I know a lot of people who think that way. Uh, not people that I know personally, uh, pundits that I listen to, and I recognize they are a political animal. They view everything through the view through the lens of donkeys versus elephants. I wonder frequently what would happen if the American people started going back to what the Constitution actually said. If we required our, our states, and yes, even the federal government, to work by what the Constitution actually said. If we held substance above form, actions above words, policies above party, what would America look like? In 10 to 20 years, can we move towards that direction? And would people recognize it? Would young people today recognize a a presidential election that wasn't uh, manipulated and formed by the two major political parties? Would you, rec- would you recognize a Congress that limited its, its legislation to the powers delegated to it by the Constitution? Or, or, or a, an executive branch that only co- contained the departments and agencies authorized by the Constitution of the United States? Would we recognize it? The question that we should be asking is, whether we recognize it or not, which would be better? A, a powerful, unrestrained, unlimited man in o- or one day woman in office, or a distributed power stru- structure where you have the most influence over the people that have the the past laws most influential on your life. I'd love to try to be in a, in a country where the Constitution mattered, but I know that I, I can't make that happen. No individual can. The best thing I can do is spread some seeds. Take these ideas and discuss them. Talk about them. Expose other people to the, the, the understanding this is what the Constitution actually says. These are the legal limits that are placed on our, uh, on our elected representatives. We should hold them to it. We should punish them when they uh, 
when they fail to fulfill their oath. And we should not place the fact that they are a donkey or an elephant above the fact that um, they violated their oath. I doubt we'll get there in 10 years. I doubt we'll get there in 20 years. But maybe I spread my seeds. Not because I know the message I bring forth, I'm bringing to you is going to win. But because I know it's the right thing to do. And I also know that all I can do is spread the seeds and hope they take root in your heart. And if enough of our hearts are planted with good seed, well, then maybe we can make a difference in as little as 10 to 20 years. Now, I hope those seeds will sprout. And I hope you come back and join us here for the Constitution Study, heard every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio Network. If you can't listen then, all the episodes go to podcasts generally a day or two after they're heard on the radio. You can listen in your favorite podcast app, but do me a favor, subscribe to the show. Leave us ratings and review, especially on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the Constitution Study as well. You can find all the links you need at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. But as with everything else, I'm spreading these seeds. You can help. You spread the seeds by sharing the links, the stories, the episodes, and by doing so, you help share the blessings of liberty.